0: because his his obvious decency, his experience, and just his calmness is such a vast contrast with Trump.
1: It's really just a, a roadmap for how you can be a smarter consumer of news and how we can all become more media literate. Right now, we're really, our biggest need is we need veterinarian professional volunteers.
2: That's David Horsey. Susan Goldberg, and Marty Casey. Welcome to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. National Geographic has just released a new book, Breaking the News, What's Real, What's Not, and Why the Difference Matters. Susan Goldberg, Editor-in-Chief of National Geographic, will be joining us today to explain why in a democracy it is critical for young people early on to comprehend the dangers of propaganda. Shantae Young, co-host of The Way with Jazz and Tay, spoke with the president of the Co Pet Clinic, Marty Casey. Yes, Marty is my wife. Co Pet Clinic provides on-site veterinary care to the pets of homeless and qualifying low-income residents of the Seattle area and has been doing so for over 30 years. If you hear anything on Voices of Experience that you would like to make a comment on, call 425-653-1166 and leave a message on the Voices of Experience hotline. That's 425-653-1166. Let's start out the show with two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning cartoonist and columnist, David Horsey. David started his career with the Bellevue Journal-American, moved on to the Seattle P.I., and then on to the L.A. Times. He has been back in Seattle and continues to entertain and inform us with his cartoons and columns in the Seattle Times. I asked David his insights regarding the state of the nation as it exists right now. Kind of get into, I listened to the interview we had last year, and it just seems to me how much hasn't changed. But you made the point last mm-hmm. year about Trump doing things like for the state of California, putting them down, and like, who does this? What's changed in the yeah. last year is that now he's withholding federal funds for the fires in california i mean now he's doubling down
0: it's pretty amazing that he really hasn't adjusted anything to try to appeal to a different group of voters he's still just going after people he perceives as his enemies and if anything his his trumpiness his craziness has gotten more extreme. He seems to be leaning into the QAnon crap. I think the October surprise is that nothing's going to change. You know, amazingly, he gets hit almost on a daily basis with with things that would be uh, would just knock out normal candidates in the past. But right, like Gary it, it, Hart's uh, monkey it, business
2: yeah. thing does seems right, pretty right. trite now. It is. It's just head scratching because how low can you go? And before I get to another question, I want to ask of you. Is um, Now, is she mad at this thing? Is she mad as Trump as, as you are or what? She's kind of whoever's there, you know, <laughs> yeah, sorry. weighing in. No problem. Actually, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I, I come to the point now where you get the sanity part of it if there is such a thing now. As he does all these things, just what you reviewed, and he seems to escape it all. He's at that whack-a-ball, right. you know, you hit someone on the head, he pops up over here. Yeah. He's n- you can't get rid of him. But one of <laughs> right. the things that I, I look at, he's killing Americans. And not only that, he doubles and triples down. He's holding rallies, still saying don't wear a mask. To me, this is where it's at, and it's beyond disturbing. And people who continue to ignore this, I just cannot fathom anymore.
0: The reason people gave him money in the past is just going to disappear. I I think he's going to discover he has no friends, at least no friends with money. Right now, he's kind of in his safe space, (laughs) and when he leaves the White House, not
2: going to be so good it's joe biden versus voter suppression it's not versus trump if there's an up and down vote and everybody gets to vote biden would win by a landslide but the only way he wins is if he can turn that around and that's why i think his strategy is not trying to enlarge it he wants to keep that base to keep it close where he can have some credible way of doing that
0: yeah it's there's so many possible scenarios it's it's crazy but the, the most likely one if it's a a generally fair election is a blowout by Biden, um, which, which I wouldn't have predicted. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was in South Carolina for the Demo- before the Democratic primary, and so got a few candidates there. And I saw Biden in action, and and one of the places I saw him, he gave such a terrible speech. I thought this guy can't possibly be a good candidate. But as it turns out. I, I now think maybe he's he's the best possible one th- for this year because his his obvious
2: decency, his experience, and just his calmness. There's decency versus a crook, a lying yeah. crook, and yeah. we've never had such a clear choice.
0: Even Richard Nixon
2: looks so much
0: better compared to, to well, he Donald was competent Trump, he, at least. Right, I he yeah. ran a very competent government and, and yes. accomplished some pretty major historic things as president. I mean, it, it it's unfortunately he had, he had this uh, weird paranoid streak that uh, led him to okay a burglary.
2: Yeah, and you just said something earlier that I have to think about in uh, digest is that there's so many scenarios that are in play here. We can speculate on this, but I don't think we have any idea how this is going to end up and I think uh, you put on your seatbelts, and this is going to be a very turbulent ride for the next 60... Well, you can only hope that November 3rd we will know the winner. I'm not sure we're going to simply because this guy is going to file lawsuits and do everything he can uh, to delay things. And I just hope he doesn't get away with it. But as we've talked earlier, he seems to get away with everything he's done. I'm just hoping there is that moment that it just dries up quickly and the reality comes home that he's leaving
0: that will depend a lot on all the republicans who have been his enablers for four years who uh, have shamed themselves by going along with his shenanigans unless there is some genuine doubt it's really just sort of a trumped up you know we're going to sue in pennsylvania blah 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 but there's no true evidence of uh, not even evidence not a real chance that uh anything's going to hold up in court that i I suspect mitch mcconnell and others will say okay we've had enough of this guy we got what we wanted we got the supreme court goodbye donald we can work with with biden you know tip o'neill famously said all politics is local and of course he meant that you know even in a congressional race it was sort of local issues and local personalities that drove the vote that that world is long gone everything all politics is national these days and and you can you can see it in uh, races in, in, in Washington State. I mean like Bob Ferguson's running for Attorney General but his ads on TV mostly are about Donald Trump. Kim Wyman, Secretary of State is being attacked because she's refused to distance herself enough from Donald Trump. It, it does has nothing to do really with her her job, what she's done as Secretary of State.' it's, it's all it's, it's Trump the race between Jay Inslee and Lauren Culp. In their, their debate, Inslee kept wedging in or bringing in Trump and how Culp is sort of part of the Trump movement. And Culp himself, there's no way a sheriff from a tiny town in the far corner of the state would be the Republican candidate for governor if he hadn't been become kind of a celebrity on Fox News and talk radio in politics these days, of voters are really national. It's not about building a road or fixing a dam. It's
2: about whose side are you on? Very good points. i been late to join that world, but I know I must if I'm going to go forward. You just talked about something. I'm going to segue into the uh, local issue here, if I may. And yeah. um, you said building a road. Now we're here in West Seattle and we want to fix a bridge. What I want to ask to that is what do you think about how Jenny Durkin is doing her job
0: I think my my view of her is colored a bit by the enemies she's made. I almost always favor people who are kind of rational, calm actors <laughs> rather than zealots and and she's is currently the, the the target of of a lot of zealots on the left who just you know they want to throw her out of office before we get to vote again in, in a year I think kindly of her simply because of that but you know she's not crazy so I realize I'm not sure how to judge her as simply as a mayor has she been good is she making the right choices you know like West Seattle bridge is she uh, is the right process in place there to deal with that and I, I I'm not sure I know i've been so I've been so distracted by her battles with uh, sawant and and others uh, and with the the other goofballs on the city council.
2: My thanks to David Horsey for sharing his insights with us today. At the beginning of the interview, I spoke about Trump not releasing disaster relief for funds for the wildfires in California. At the time of the interview, that was correct. After this interview, he did release the funds. He's such a drama queen, isn't he? Once again, playing with people's lives. Susan Goldberg, editor-in-chief of National Geographic, spoke to me about a new book, Breaking the News, What's Real, What's Not, and Why the Difference Matters. We are all aware of the misinformation that has polluted our world. This book is long overdue, and it is very well done.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you like it. And, you know, I think it is great for kids. It was really designed for kids who are about 10 to 18. But the fact is, is I think that this is a terrific book for adults, too, I mean, I've been a journalist for 40 years, and I learned a lot reading this book. I was reminded of a lot of terrific journalistic history, but also how I can be even a more discerning consumer of news, even though it's what I do for a living.
2: Absolutely. I felt the same way. I said, this isn't just for kids. This is good history for anybody. I mean, going into photographs that are doctored and what you have to watch for. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is, that when you had the guidelines as to, let's say, when an Instagram comes over, that how you can look to that and take exercises to find out whether it is legitimate or not?
1: It's really just a, a roadmap for how you can be a smarter consumer of news and how we can all become more media literate. And with a few clicks, you can either spread a bad story to thousands of people, or you can determine just as quickly pretty much whether or not that's a legit story in the first place. And we just want people to read this, to take a breath, to think before they click, because nobody wants to be a victim of bad information, but it's even really worse to spread bad information.
2: Certainly. Oh, and before we continue, I looked at your uh, history, and it's very impressive, but one of the stops you made along the way was the uh, Seattle Post-Intelligencer, and I'm from Seattle, and that's where I'm calling from.
1: I know you are in Seattle, and that was my very first job. I was the intern they hired uh, between my junior and senior years of college, and I just ended up staying as a full-time reporter at the Seattle PI for two years.
2: The other thing that I found uh, in the book, too, is how you looked at Edward R. Murrow as kind of being the father, I suppose, of broadcast news.
1: Because journalists were on the ground in Vietnam, they were able to look at the statements being made by the administration compared to what they were seeing before their eyes and say, hey, wait a minute, we're not winning this war like the administration is saying. We're actually losing this war. We've got a very bad situation in our hands and the American public isn't getting the truth. And because of journalism, you know, the course of that war was changed. And that was what inspired me to become a journalist in the first place, to get on the ground to tell people the real stories and to give people information so they could make better decisions.
2: Let's get back to the book for a moment because uh, it's very well laid out. What would you want to say about the book to the audience as to what you feel about it and why it's so important to you?
1: Well, look, this is an accessible guide, not just for young people, but for adults that really puts what's going on today into perspective. And I think what it does is it gives people practical tips and tricks for how to evaluate the information that they're getting overwhelmed with every single day in their own newsfeed. So when you you know see some outrageous headline, okay, how do you know whether that's true or not? This book gives you a roadmap. You look at some picture and gosh, it's so adorable. These two animals are embracing. Well, is that a real picture or not? This gives you ways to evaluate that. It even tells you how you can evaluate whether websites themselves our real or our fake websites and you can really protect yourself from a lot of harm by understanding that difference so I just think it's a practical guide to what we're dealing with every day and it's laid out and presented in a really entertaining and accessible manner
2: you know looking at um, some of the things that were pointed out in the book about social media and the expansion of that and of course that didn't exist 20 25 years ago but we're in it thick now and sometimes I'll complain like everybody else, kind of walk around the house. Why are things like this now? It wasn't like this back in the Walter Cronkite days. And then I go, welcome to the new world. You're not going to turn back the clock. This is here to stay. You're going to have to live with it per se. We're not going back to three networks. That's just not going to happen. I'll go out to, let's say, Google something, and then I'll see something pop up. It takes me off that, what I was going to get. I look at the story or whatever briefly and then I forget what the heck I went to Google for in the first place, right? And to me that's not right. I mean that to me is just this overload we're going through now with people. It's just too much. I didn't see anything as I haven't read the whole book. Or would you have advice on that? There's just so many people I think today are just hooked on this all the time and I can't think that's a good thing. Even if the information's valid, you're just getting overwhelmed with information.
1: Well, you know, social media is a tool, right? There have always been ways to get information. What's different now from when we were growing up is there weren't as many sources of information. There were three networks and there were the big newspapers and there were the big radio stations and there were the wire services. And that was pretty much where you got your information. But, you know, there have always been hoaxes and there have always been propaganda campaigns. There's always been misinformation. So I think you know, it's not that that Now is so terrible, and before it was so wonderful. In fact, people have been duped by misinformation since probably humankind began. This just, what I think this book does, is it deals with today's reality of social media, of the huge distraction, of the glitter of information, and just gives people a roadmap for how to deal
2: with it. Okay, yeah, it's fair. And I think that's what the book, at least what I've seen so far, has done. So uh, you've certainly accomplished that. Anything else about the book that you would like people to uh, take heart in?
1: Well, one of the things that's true in the book is that you know, so many young people told us they spread stories to their friends that they later learned were false. And what I hope people will take away from it is that they, you know, they they think before they click. That they they take a breath and uh, understand that a lie can spread around the world before the truth even gets its pants on. And I know that's kind of a funny expression, but unfortunately it is so true. So I think all of us need to be active participants and work to become media literate and not just let this information wash over us as passive consumers. We should be active participants in how we deal with information. You're
0: listening
3: to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
2: My thanks to Susan Goldberg, the book. Breaking the News, What's Real, What's Not, and Why the Difference Matters is available on Amazon. I strongly believe that any person of any age will benefit from perusing and reading this book. Next up, Shantae Young and Marty Casey on the history and future of the Donico Pet Clinic.
3: I am here today with Marty Casey, President of the Board of Directors of the Donico Pet Clinic a pet clinic here in Seattle that's been offering veterinary services and care at no cost for pets of low income and homeless families since 1985. I just absolutely love the origin story of the pet clinic, and I am so excited to interview you today and learn more. Thank you, Shantae. I'm really glad to be here. So to launch right into it, um, I, I learned that Donico Pet Clinic is all volunteer run and funded by the community. Uh, with many people experiencing unemployment and a change in lifestyle, how has COVID-19 affected the day-to-day operations of the clinic?
4: That's a great question and um, one that we are still working on. Uh, the The virus has had a huge impact on how we do clinic. We, For probably 32, 33 years, we were at Union Gospel Mission in the men's chapel area which is an indoor area and small and when we did the clinic it was very very full of volunteers and then clients and their pets so as soon as COVID-19 hit we were unable to do our clinics there anymore so we were closed down during the um for about four months, which it's interesting, um, on the board, there are some people that were founders of the clinic. And there have never, there has never been a period of time where they have missed clinics in a row. I mean, they can count the number of clinics they've missed. And I asked them about it. And they said that one of them was when it was the earthquake in, and I think that was 2001, or 2000. So it's been quite a while (laughs) since they've missed any days. That's amazing. it really is. So, of course, there was a lot of need while we were unable to go out. Uh, Pat still had issues. So we were doing a lot more referrals to the veterinarian clinics that we have as partners. And what we do with those partners is that we send our animals if they should need any critical care or urgent care or if it's a if they need an X-ray or... Anything that we can't do at clinic, the type of treatment we give at clinic is very much wellness care, we can test blood, um, take care of any ear issues and skin issues and things like that. But if it gets invasive, we need to partner
3: with those clinics to
4: get the animal care.
3: If you partner with any of the local animal shelters and provide services or wellness care to any of those animals?
1: Yes. Well, we work closely with Seattle Humane and Seattle Animal Shelter and they provide treatment, both Seattle Humane and Seattle Animal Shelter to the animals that are in the shelter. Okay. They have those, they provide that. We provide it to people that essentially Their animals aren't in the shelter. And really, it's a stopgap to keep people from, you know, we hope they won't have to give up their animals. Right. Seattle Animal Shelter, we have an incredible partnership with. And Seattle Humane, in that they do the spay and neuters for our clients. It is a requirement of the Donico Pet Clinic that the animal be spayed or neutered, so it's not reproducing. There are so many unwanted pets out there, as I'm sure you know, that Mm
4: -hmm.
1: there's still a very high rate of uh, euthanization in the country. We're not as bad here, but there's just, we want every animal to be a wanted animal.
3: Absolutely. I've actually been um, stalking Seattle Humane for months now looking for a pet. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to, Oh, you have. <laughs> yes, I, I want to make the right decision. And I'm also like taking it very seriously that like taking a pet is a very big responsibility. So I'm trying yes. to make sure that I am absolutely ready before I make that decision. But yes, I've been just checking every month, like, oh, is this the month? <laughs> now, do you want a dog or a cat? I want a dog okay I'm definitely and a dog person.
1: I'm, I'm going off tra- going off uh the track here but there was a you know that sh- that seizure of the animals in West Seattle and oh, uh- of 222 that tragic seizure of 222 animals there were three pets three dogs I'm sorry in that and I pulled a picture of one so I'll text that to you Oh my um, gosh. I took it to Paul and said, Oh my God, this dog is so cute. And anyway, so I'll text that to you and cause trouble in your household.
3: <laughs> that, that would be amazing actually. And I'm really actually glad to hear that there were like living animals still from that situation because it sounded pretty gruesome and scary a little bit. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, and Graves is the director of the Seattle animal shelter and she is very focused on, um, stopping abuse. And this was a huge, I mean, so many animals, really tragic.
3: Yeah. And it's an amazing, amazing work that you guys are doing. Um, Again, like I said, Thank I
4: you.
3: I love dogs. I love animals, really, and I I often see you know homeless people on the street with animals, and I'm always wondering, like, I hope that there's care for them, and it's just great to know that there's a place right here that's been here for years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just really great. Um, I guess my last question for you would be, if someone wanted to get involved with Donico uh, Pet Clinic. How, how could they do that right now? are you guys accepting volunteers at this time? Are you looking for fundraising help? Um, how could one in the community get involved today?
1: We love volunteers and we love all the volunteers that we can get right now. We're really, our biggest need is we need veterinarian professional volunteers because uh, this isn't surprising, but the volunteers, many people start volunteering as they get older and when they have more time and they have the the means not to work. So they say, OK, well, I can volunteer now. Well, with the COVID-19 crisis, we are unable to have our volunteers that are in the high risk category as defined by Washington State participate in the clinics. So we have a lot of wonderful volunteers that we're not able to use right now at the clinics. So what we're doing is working with them um, on fundraising. But veterinarian professionals, we would love to have more um, DVMs and licensed vet techs and veterinarian assistants. So if anybody's listening and would like to join us, you can email info, info at donico.org And that's d o n e y c o e dot Org. After
3: you know, learning more and talking with you today, I would love to find out a way I can help get involved, donate. I don't know, but I'm inspired, and um, I'm really glad that I was able to interview you and learn more.
2: My thanks to Shantae Young and Marty Casey for bringing us up to date about the Donico Pet Clinic. If you would like to explore the activities further or make a donation to Co., Doneco, visit donico.org. That's Donyco.org. D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E.org. All one word. Just a reminder to tune in to the Way with Jazz and Tay on Thursday mornings, 7 a.m. on KKNW. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. I would also like to thank Susan Goldberg and David Horsey for sharing their wisdom and experience with us today. My name is Paul Casey. If you have been listening to this show for any length of time, you know I'm not neutral on this election, as evidenced once again today. I would like to make clear that these are my opinions only and do not necessarily represent the opinions of my guests. Next week is the official election day. I hope your ballot is already in the mail. I'm going to take a break from the election and hopefully provide some comic relief with Pat Cashman of Almost Live fame. Pat has compiled podcast interviews with his fellow cast members that aired on King Five from the mid-1980s to the late 1990s. Any comments? Call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. A reminder, continue to be vigilant with COVID. Do not let your guard down. Quote of the week, to be persuasive, we must be believable. To be believable, we must be credible to be credible, we must be truthful. Edward R. Murrow. Have a great rest of the week.